Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. exceeded our time so i'm going to go straight into the word of the lord hallelujah amen let us pray so father we thank you today because you are faithful you're good you're awesome there is none like you we thank you because your word is quick your word is sharper than any two-edged sword your word can go to the deepest part of our hearts father we pray you will speak and i ask you will speak through me today let me speak with precision. Let me speak with power. Let me speak in such a way that your people will hear and understand. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Before we go to things, I'm going to mention uh, this Wednesday, we're going to be starting a Bible study st- series. Uh, Pastor B will be taking us in a three-week Bible study series on our identity with Christ. Amen. So don't be tired. Don't be weary. The Word of God is our food. Just like we don't get tired of eating. We don't say, you know, oh, yeah, I want to take a break today. Uh, you know, uh, so please let's, let's, let's attend and be part of the, uh, uh, the Bible study on Wednesday. Today is our mission offering. Uh, so please... Uh, uh, as time goes on, you can display the means of giving. Let's never forget to give towards mission. The needs in the mission field is even more now during this uh, pandemic number four. Many of our stations are closed now. The economy is completely shut in Uganda. Uh, it's been extremely difficult for the orphanage that we support, extremely difficult. Uh, so if God is laying it in your heart to support them in any way, please uh, give. Part of this will go to that. Same thing is in India. India is really going through a tough time uh, with coronavirus. I think uh, the last 24 hours, they, I think they had uh, several thousands, I think maybe 100,000 cases that they are churning out uh, from this virus. The economy has been closed. People are really going through, at least to, to those missionaries that God has connected us to support, I think, by God's grace, we owe them that support. So please, as you give, just know that, know that at the back of your mind, this is where significant portion, mostly all of this money is going during this season. Amen. And God bless you as you do so. I want to say thank you for all of you who have stayed committed to giving. Uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, if you know, I, I studied this in terms of knowing what is going on out there. Uh, it's not a, a, an easy time for a lot of churches, uh, but I want to thank God because uh, because of your commitment, especially those of you who continue to tithe, will continue to give significantly to to God through this church. 
And I want you to know that you are not giving to church, to any church, right? You're not giving to me. You're not giving to the church. You're giving to God through the church. And the Lord that you are giving to, right, will reward you. I, I remember, I believe, is uh, uh, one of the Psalms that says, uh, May the Lord remember you in the day of trouble, and may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. That is Psalm 20. And that will be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to say that. So we're going to go into our message today, part 9 of our uh, 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 message series, Here Comes the Dreamer. Today we're going to be talking about wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom. I titled the message, The Master Key of Wisdom. Amen. The Master Key of Wisdom. All right, so I am going to have us read uh, a portion of the Bible. Actually, it's a lengthy portion that we're going to go through. Uh, Genesis chapter 41. I want you to go there. Genesis chapter 41. Please open your Bibles. I'm going to read a large portion, and I'm going to bring points out as we read them. So it's, all, it's good for you. It's better for you to really have it open. All right, so as I highlight some of the points there from reading that portion of the scripture. Now we are at a place, we've been following the story of Joseph, you know, from, you know, when, from the beginning when he had a dream, uh, you, know, you know, his brother, you know, went against him, sold him to slavery, Potiphar's house, uh, you know, he went to prison. I mean, we're getting to the end now where we're focusing on some of the lessons from his life. And I want you to know that the story of Joseph is not just a story I believe strongly. It's a story that carries a prophetic significance for all of us, for everyone with a dream, everyone with a vision, everyone with a prophetic word over your life. God has put something in your heart. I believe the story of Joseph has a very powerful significance that we can see ourselves and learn a lot of lessons as how God wants us to move from not just dreaming, but to the fulfillment of our dream. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. And that is the story of Joseph. I love Psalm 105. Psalm 105 describe. I mean, David describing the life of Joseph in, in verse 17 says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for, for, as a servant whose feet were they hurt with feathers. He was laid in iron. Verse 19 says, until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. That is the life of Joseph. Every word that we receive from God, every vision, every assignment will go through trial. But by the grace of God, we are learning here that we will pass the test and experience the fulfillment of our dream. So Joseph is getting very close. Uh, you know, he has helped a young man in prison, you know, you know, and uh, he helped him by obviously serving him with his gift. And this young man eventually got, you know, there was a divine setup. Pharaoh had a dream, and Pharaoh couldn't get interpretation for his dream. And this young man that was uh, Pharaoh's butler, all right? Now, remember, this is two years later now. Oh, wait a minute. There was a guy I met in prison who actually can interpret dream. Maybe he can help. 
And so they brought Joseph before Pharaoh, and that is where this story begins. So, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph. I'm reading verse 14 now. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. I mean, it's not even prison, it's dungeon. I mean, it's a terrible place. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. Excuse me. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And that's, that's what he said. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I think we touched on this year last week. You know that Joseph knew that he was just a vehicle, right? It's not just about him, about God using. Sometimes, yeah, we forget when we have a gift, when we have an assignment, when we have a calling, when we have blessing. We forget that it is not by power, right? It is not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. I love it that Joseph said, no, no, no. If that's what they told you, I think they just told you a lie. I am not the one that interprets dream. It is God. But I believe God can interpret your dream. Then in verse 17, Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of Nile. I'm going to skip that. Pharaoh essentially recounted his dream, all right? And, um, and look at verse 24, uh, towards the end. The thin heads of grain swallowed the seven good heads. I told this to the magician, but none of them could explain it to me. Wow. You see, I mean, when you are faithful to God, God will bring you to a place, all right, where the world will need you, all right? Nobody else could interpret this dream. Just about this dream, you know, and nobody. He had a dream, seven cows, seven fat cows came, seven thin cows came. The thin cow just ate the fat cow and ate them. And they didn't even, they didn't even blink. There was even no difference in their shape after they finished eating. So, and he said, I told this dream to the magician. Uh, people who will uh, use evil power, who use demonic power, who use voodoo, whatever they use, they could not solve this problem. And uh, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. There were two dreams that he had. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. So it's, it's given this interpretation. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten. And the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. Because the famine that follows it will be so severe. Verse 32. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. And God will do it soon. Wow. I mean, that's, that's serious. I mean, I, I, can, I can see Pharaoh shaking. I'm like, wow, this is, there's even no way to pray this out. 
Now it's twice. God confirmed me twice. This has been decided by God. But God is a merciful God. But ultimately, it's really not about Egypt. It's about God's agenda. You see, when we follow our dream, we are fulfilling God's agenda. That's something we must never forget. Your dream is a subset of God's dream. I want that to sink in. And I want you to say it. My dream is a subset of God's dream. See, your dream is not just your dream. Your dream is God's dream. You see, God put it in your heart as a subset of his work, his agenda. I mean, there's no way Joseph would have known he's part of a big story going on. He didn't know. He's just a young boy, just being faithful, just living his life, just doing what he's supposed to do. But you see, his life is huge. There's something so significant. You know, sometimes just being faithful can lead to a lot of big things. And I believe God is bringing this message to remind many of us to be faithful even when no one is seeing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, verse 33, something changed. And this is what I want to talk about today. Then Joseph moved from just, not just a dreamer to a dream interpreter, you know, from verse 26 to 32. He was interpreting dream, which is another level. You know, then verse 33, he became a wisdom giver. I mean, this is really powerful. So then he said, now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. I mean, this is a prisoner. This is a slave boy. I mean, this is now giving, a, giving counsel, you know, to the king, to the president. And he says, pick a wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Verse 34, let Pharaoh appoint commissioners. Wow, how did he know about commissioner? I mean, I thought he was just a slave boy, you know, serving in some place from there to prison. And he's telling Pharaoh, appoint commissioners over the land. And take a fifth, 20% of the harvest. How does he know about economics? Now he's advising Pharaoh about politics, about administration, about economics. Take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve. I even know about reserve. There's something called Federal Reserve, right? How about create a Federal Reserve, all right, for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. Now, this is a device setup. So Pharaoh is sitting there, all the officials are sitting there, his, you know, his ministers, his whatever they are, and they are listening to this boy that hasn't even shaved for many years. They just shaved him, and they just quickly bought him a cloth at Walmart on the way there. I mean, just for him to at least be able to, I mean, to just be presentable. Now this guy is giving counsel. Wow, isn't God amazing? That tells me that there's nothing too difficult for God to do. Don't count out a man with a dream. Don't count me out. 
God can take you from dungeon to the palace. And God has done it before. He will do it again. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 38. So Pharaoh asked. I mean, they were mesmerized. Can we find anyone like this man? I mean, I don't know where we're going to find this person that you're talking about. A discerning, a wise man that understands politics, understands economics, you know, knows how to solve problems, how to set up a, a, a Federal Reserve Bank, you know, who is going to do all this? Can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? This person that you're talking about must have the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh looked at me and said, wait a minute. I think we found the man. I think you are the man. Look at what he said. Verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace. And all my people are to submit to your orders. I'm sure including Potiphar. Because Potiphar was also working. He was probably sitting there too, you know, uh, you know. Only with the respect to the throne will I be greater than you. The only thing, the only difference is I will sit on the throne. You will not be able to sit on the throne. But effectively, you're going to be running the country. Because we are all dumb. You are wise. Blessed person. We don't know what we are doing. You can help us. You know. You know. So he said, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the old land of Egypt. You be the prime minister, I just be the president. You be the one in charge, I just be the one sitting on the throne. I just be the figurehead, you just be the leader. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes and fine linen, wow, and put a gold chain around his neck. Now he had a chain. He, he had him ride on a chariot. Of his second in command. And people shouted before him. Make way. Thus he put him in charge. Of the old land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph. I am Pharaoh. But without your word. No one will lift hand or foot. In Egypt. I am, I am Pharaoh. But don't mind me. Don't worry about me. Without you. You will be the one ruling. Whatever you say will be it. And Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Savenath Pinea and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, something is unique here that I want to let you know. Joseph did not become the prime minister. Just because he had a dream. But because he had wisdom. It is because of the wisdom. You know, Pharaoh didn't ask him, what's your dream? You see, what's your vision? You know, sometimes we overrate dreams and visions. They are very important. You know, we overrate dreams and visions. You know, they are a seed. All right? Dreams are only good. And this is very important. In as much as they motivate us to prepare for the assignment. I want to repeat that. Dreams are only good in as much as they motivate us 
to prepare for the assignment. And the proof of preparation is wisdom. I mean, I suspect Joseph prepared. I suspect many people listening to me don't have a dream problem. We probably have a wisdom problem. And wisdom is the principal thing, according to Proverbs 4, 7. Therefore, get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. I mean, one can argue that Joseph didn't start by being a wise person. All right, he was 17, he was naive, he was, you know, he was full of himself, you know, he was thumping his chest, he was obviously not discerning, he was not picking up the cue from his, the body language of his brothers, he was reckless, you know, but by this time, he was a wise man. And I believe that his wisdom started by the fear of the Lord. He began to really take God seriously. And we know that he feared the Lord. We know that was his response. How can I do this evil thing and sin against the Lord? And what does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the holy is understanding. So Joseph started by embracing the fear of the Lord. He knew if I'm going to ever fulfill my dream, if my dream is ever going to come to pass, it is going to be because I put God first. Whether someone is watching me or not, I am going to live by the fear of the Lord. I am going to honor God. And we're talking about reverential fear. We're not, we're not, we're not talking about fear you know, demonic fear, negative fear, but we're talking about reverential fear that honors God, honors God in how we live, how we comport ourselves, in our, in our attitude to sin is, is different, you know, honor God in our finances, honor God in obedience to him. I mean, that's very important. We know that that was very important. But I also believe Joseph committed to learning. If you think about it, Joseph has been hanging around the corridor of power for a while, only as a slave, all right? I mean, Potiphar was one of the people working in the White House, one of the officials of Pharaoh. So it's not that surprising that he's learning, that he knew there's something called commissioners. It's not that surprising that he's, he's listening to conversations about economics, about politics, I am not surprised that he's been studying these things. He's attentive. You see, wisdom comes by attentiveness. People who are not willing to learn cannot attain to wisdom. And that's why many times, many of us, when we, people who despise knowledge, you know, will not be able to attain to where God is taking you to. You see, sometimes knowledge comes, we, we think about knowledge as when we knew before. See, knowledge is coming, wisdom is coming a lot of times, you know, even when we don't know. You know, sometimes we ignore knowledge because we don't think it's relevant to us. You see, Joseph could have said, what is my business with what they're talking about? You know, what's my business with, uh, you, know, you know, with Wall Street, you know, learning about, 
you know, compound interest, learning about stock market. The market is up today, it's down tomorrow. I'm not interested in money, really. You know, oh, I'm not interested in politics. What's my business, really? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just a new and I'm just 17 years old. I'm just 15 years old. I'm just... You know, you know, I'm just 20 years old. I'm just trying to, you see, some, a lot of times in life, you know, it takes attentiveness to pay attention to what God is teaching you. God chooses unlikely places, unusual places to teach you, to prepare you for what, you, what he has in store for you. You know, sometimes you find yourself in places that, you know, Maybe you're not too excited about. Jobs that you're not too excited about. You know, ministry that you're not too excited about. A church that, uh, you know, they, they're not recognizing my position. They just put me to do these small things. You know, sometimes you find yourself in places, you know, attentiveness is very important. I suspect Joseph was an attentive person. You see, because wisdom does not just come from nowhere Wisdom itself is a byproduct, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So you see, you know, he began to gather this information, and Joseph went to prison. Don't forget, now he's also hanging around people who have been around Pharaoh for a while. I suspect he developed relationship with those people. That's why he was able to help them. You see, sometimes God brings people that are, they don't look like they're it. They don't look like this. You met somewhere. I mean, a lot of times, you get to where you need to get to because God positions some people with you and he expects you to learn from them. You see, an attitude of learning is very important. Humility to learn is very important if you're going to be a person of wisdom. So Joseph acquired wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says, My son, if you accept my words... And store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom. Wisdom comes by attentiveness. And applying your heart to understanding. Very, very important. The master key, what provided the opportunity for Joseph was not because he had a dream. Pharaoh could care less about his dream. Pharaoh cared about his problem being solved. And Joseph had wisdom to, you know, to solve Pharaoh's problem. And that is what led to the fulfillment of his dream. Praise the name of Jesus. I hope you are getting blessed. Is somebody getting blessed? All right. Our audience online, are you getting blessed? Let us know. Let us know you're getting blessed. All right. Please uh, respond and let us know. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So we're going to talk about wisdom a little bit. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Because we said wisdom is the master key. I'm going to give you a few definitions. Number one, wisdom is knowing the will of God. That's the basic wisdom. It's knowing the will of God. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's not just knowing, it's understanding it. And I'm going to get to that, all right? Wisdom is actually knowing what to do in every situation or in each situation. It is knowing how God sees situation as God sees them. 
See, it's very important. You see, when we talk about wisdom, it is really God is the only wise God. You see, there are all kinds of wisdom. There is demonic wisdom. There is human wisdom. You see, but the most important wisdom is the wisdom of God. The most important perspective to every situation is the perspective of God. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's politics, you know, whether it's an uh, issue of, uh, you know, your career, marriage, you know, businesses, whatever, you know, whether it's running a church, running a ministry, relationship, you know. At the end of the day, the most important perspective to every problem that comes to you, every challenge that comes to you, is what does God say? Unfortunately, many times we don't always think like that because the wisdom of God, in fact, the Bible says, is sometimes, most times, foolishness to man. The most foolish position sometimes to man is actually the wisest position. That's why it is very, you know, be wary of wokeness. A lot of things we call being woke today might not necessarily be woke according to God. Don't just go around and try to be woke. No. Try to see things from God's perspective. Very, very important. I want to challenge you. It's so easy these days. You know, you know, with the internet, everybody thinks they are smart. Everybody is this. Everybody is posting. Everybody thinks this. Everybody is this. No, 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 no. A wise person wants to see things from God's perspective. He's attentive. It's so easy to run our marriage with our emotion. A wise person says, what does God want me to do? I may not feel like doing it. But what does God feel I should do? A wise person will say, how do I deal with this person? I may not feel like doing it that way, but if God says so, it is no. He said, do not be unwise. Understand what the will of God is. If you really want to live in wisdom, you're going to ask questions. What is the will of God? How does God want me to address this? So wisdom, we conclude, is a function of relationship with God. You know, Proverbs chapter 2, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about it. My son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, it is a function of relationship with God. Hallelujah. Number two, because of time, wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. All right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears this word of mine and puts them to practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. So, wisdom is correct application of truth, correct application of knowledge. All right? It's very, very important. It is not just knowing. There's a lot of people with knowledge today. What, is, what we lack today really among young people, it's not lack of knowledge. It's lack of wisdom. A lot of people know stuff. We know fact. We know this. We know truth. We know this. We know this. Everybody knows because everybody has Google. As the person is talking, they're already typing it on Google. And I know, I know that. No, you didn't. You just looked it up. So we have people who have a lot of facts, a lot of knowledge. But not necessarily wisdom. We don't know how to apply them. Anyone that hears and apply. So wisdom is a byproduct. And I'm going to get to that. I'm going to move on because of time. 
So wisdom is a correct application of knowledge. Wisdom is the person of Jesus. Wisdom is the person of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, I'm going to take you to Proverbs chapter 8. I'll read a, a, a passage. I think I referenced that last week, and I want to encourage you to read Proverbs chapter 8 on yourself. Uh, read it, not just in English, read it in the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Uh, if you can read different verses or versions, uh, that will also help you. Uh, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 8 is the chapter of wisdom in the book of wisdom. I think it's actually very, very powerful. It's probably, to me, one of the most inspiring chapters in the book of Proverbs. You know, and it you know, starts by saying, wisdom is crying without. Wisdom is shouting. Wisdom is saying, come to me. You know, and it's just very, very beautiful in terms of even the, the language. It's, pers- it's wisdom personified. And at the end, you're going to see that he's actually talking about Jesus. <laughs> you're going to talk, he's talking about Jesus. You will be so shocked. But I'm going to read a few verses there from verse 8. Uh, this is talking about wisdom now. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. That is wisdom now talking. So wisdom is talking. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. Verse 11, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Verse 12, I love high wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge and discretion. If you're reading the King James Version, it will say witty invention. All right, uh, you know, you know some some are beautiful in King James. I, I'm reading New King James now, I believe, uh, and and it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perver- perverse mouth. I hate verse fourteen. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles all the judges of the earth. Now, even though we are called kings, right? Royal priesthood, right? We cannot reign without wisdom. Did you get what I'm talking about? You see? Rainy, even though Joseph had this powerful dream, you know, it was going to rain, it was going to rule, people were going to bow down, all these things were going to happen to him. It would not happen without wisdom. Wisdom says, it is by me that you reign. So wisdom is very, very important. Verse 17, I love, I love those who love me. That is wisdom talking. If you love wisdom, wisdom will love you. And those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yes, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. 
I'm going to stop there because of time. We don't have unlimited time. Uh, so wisdom is something that we must seek as believers. I mean, we must really be people who go after wisdom. And we're going to understand it a little more as we move, especially wisdom of God I'm talking about. You see, there is devilish wisdom. James tells us there, there's a wisdom that, 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 that is from the devil. You know, James chapter, five, chapter 3, verse 15 says, Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly. There is earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom. There's even demonic wisdom. All right? For where you have envy, selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. You see, so there's wisdom that leads to chaos, that leads to all kinds of craziness. Uh, verse 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. You know, if you also go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, you will really see a little bit more information about, you know, different kinds of wisdom. Hallelujah. But I'm going to end today by talking about the, the sources of wisdom. How we should pursue wisdom as believers. How we should really go after the wisdom of God. You know, one thing about the wisdom of God, it is us is applicable on the earth. You see, I'm not talking about something unreal, something that is disconnected. No, I'm talking about the wisdom. Like you see, Joseph, that wisdom was applicable, right? <laughs> Even in the palace. I mean, Pharaoh said, I, I'm not sure that person you're describing exists. But I think maybe you're the person that we need to help us. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you three things, sources. Number one, the nat- natural order. You see, there's natural order of wisdom that God has given to us that is accessible to every one of us. And is accessible to both believers and unbelievers. You see, there's a natural, there are some principles of God that are just eternal principles and they are applicable no matter what. For example, the principle of giving is universal principle, right? You know, give and it shall be given to you, whether you're a believer or non-believer, no matter who you are. If you are a generous, the generous soul will be made fat. If you're a generous person, you will reap the fruit. If you call on Jesus, you roll on the floor, but you're not generous, there's, you know, there's nothing God can help you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, right? You can say, I'm a believer in Christ Jesus, but I can just jump and, and, and not be affected by law of gravity, right? Law of gravity is, a, is an eternal law, right? It's there, it's applicable, whether you are a believer. So there is certain way God has ordered the earth. So wisdom itself, it, there's a natural order of wisdom, which is wisdom is a byproduct of knowledge, which is information, right? And understanding, all right? And understanding, very important. That means... <clears throat> If you're going to be wise, you must be a person that pursues knowledge. You can be someone that is empty because there's nothing to apply. And, and knowledge really at its root form is information. All right? Now, obviously, we have natural knowledge. We also have spiritual knowledge, which is called revelation, that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. You know? But they, a lot of times they are, they are in sync did you get my point? They are in sync. You see, I will give you even a basic example. 
you cannot read the scripture and not understand some natural knowledge that helps you to read the scripture, right? If you're reading the Bible, it's better for you to understand the settings where the Bible comes from, right? The Jewish culture, right? You have to have, you have, to have some readings. You know, some things in the Bible will throw you off. You will not be able to understand some things without you trying to understand you know, some of these issues that confuse us is because we don't go to understand setting. So people can say, oh, I just want to understand the Bible spiritually and get revelation. But you will be off without a proper understanding, natural understanding of sometimes the topography of where we're talking about, the culture of the people that Jesus is talking to or the Bible is addressing. All those things, they work together. So then we can't just be against one or for one. They actually work together for someone that wants to seek knowledge. So knowledge is very important. Last week we were talking about how Moses, right, was able to marry his knowledge of God with the knowledge of leadership that came from Jethro. He needed both. So wisdom is a byproduct of knowledge. If you're going to be a wise person, you must be a knowledge person, someone that is attentive, someone that seeks to know, someone that is, you know, that loves gathering information, not just for gathering sake. You see, there are people who love gathering information for gathering sake. Those people, the Bible says knowledge puffs them up. You know, but people who are sincere in knowing, understanding. I believe that was Joseph. He was sincere in knowing. He knew his future. He knew he was going to be a king. He knew he was going to be a leader. He knew he was going, to, he was going somewhere. He knew God has called him. So that means you must understand. A lot of times, many of us are narrow in our pursuit of knowledge. People who, you know, we must be people who want to know. We must know, know about our environment, know about history, know about things going on. I mean, when you hear all these, even in the world of politics, all these words, I mean, things, why is this, why is that? Many of us, we stick to the cliche. We don't understand. We don't go a little further to read. Why is this like this? Why does this? Why, you know? You know, or we hear about, you know, economics. Why is this this way? So we must be people who seek knowledge. But we must seek more than knowledge. We must seek understanding. Understanding is deeper knowledge. You see? So knowledge simply is, you know, when you're talking about knowledge, you are knowing what? What? It's not enough to know that, let me, let me bring it home. We worship. Oh, as believers, we worship. I think it's better for you to know why we worship, right? So you are having an understanding. You see, knowledge and understanding, understanding allows you to apply knowledge properly. And that's where you get to wisdom, all right? So understanding is why. Why is this? Why is this this way? So natural order wisdom is knowledge, all right, seeking knowledge, then seeking understanding, and the combination of two allows allow you right allows you to be a wise person. All right, I believe there's a third thing there which I'm going to go to the next. Number two is the spirit of wisdom. You see, we've talked about sources of wisdom now. I'm saying three major sources of wisdom. Number one is the natural order of wisdom, which is to seek knowledge, seek understanding, right? 
then you learn how to apply it. You're going to be a wise person. You know, it's not enough to say, I must marry. Why? Why did God create marriage? You see, those questions are very important. Seeking that allows you to be able to see marriage better from God's perspective, right? And allows you to be able to display wisdom of God in your marriage, right? It's not enough to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just being a business person, all right? No, why? You know, what is the purpose of business? What is, oh, I want to be rich. Why has God called us to be rich? You see, we, as believers, we must be thinkers. You see, it used to be that Christians were the greatest thinkers. Do you know that? It used to be. A lot of the philosophers, a lot of the, you know, you know even scientists were believers early on. It used to be believers were the most thinking people. And I think we lost that art of thinking. The art of, you know, thinking deep. You know, looking at things critically and say, I just want to understand it more. You see, observing our environment. Observing, you know, why things are happening. Understanding even people. Understanding why people do what they do. Those are things as believers we must invest some time. You know, but the second source is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. You see, Ephesians 1, you know, chapter, you know, chapter 1, verse 11 says, The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, the Holy Spirit that we have, one of his manifestations in our life is to give us wisdom. It's the spirit of wisdom. You see, it's a third dimension that we have as believers. Now, I believe that... and. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the human spirit. You see, the human spirit also can tap into some level of wisdom, you know, which a lot of times even people who are not believers in Christ Jesus can tap into. And that's why a lot of them can demonstrate high great level of wisdom. You see, there are a lot of unbelievers who are very spiritual. And I don't mean that in the new age. It means they are conscious of their spirit man. You see, they are inward thinking people sometimes we could be too outward too fleshy too conscious of our flesh our brain our mind without understanding that we are spirit now we as believers have an advantage the advantage is we don't just have human spirit we have a connection with the holy spirit all right and that tapping with the holy spirit gives us access to the wealth of God's wisdom that should enhance our ability to solve problems better, you know, to look at things better, to see things from God's perspective, to make wiser decisions, whether it's about life, about our businesses, about our relationships, about everything we do. But a lot of time we are disconnected from that, right? It's almost like, you know, we all have an extension cord, right? You know, we have an, you see, what is the use of your cord if it's not plugged to the source of power? You see, we can all go around with an extension cord, but we have a source of power, but we must connect it to the source of power. You see, when we connect it to the source of power, we have access to God's wisdom. And that's why as believers, we all should pray for spiritual wisdom. I've been teaching you all this, you know, many of us, we are, more interested in gymnastic prayer than biblical prayer. 
You see, we are more interested in prayer that make us feel good than the prayer that touches heaven. You see, I would rather prayer that touches heaven. You know, it might be boring, it might be dry, but that's the kind of prayer that gets results. That is the kind of prayer that is going to usher you into your dream, your destiny, your purpose. Not just prayer that will get you to sweat and you get no results. You see, the early church prayed and the place was shaking. We pray now and we are the ones shaking. And we can't shake anywhere. All right? I believe as believers, we must really tap into this spiritual wisdom because that is going to take us to where we need to go. Hallelujah. The third source is association. Wisdom by association. All right? Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. For the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see? If you want to be wise, watch the people you hang around with. The problem is many of us, we like to walk with people who are not wise. I mean, who have a record of foolishness just around them. You know, you, you see how they live their life. You see how they made their decisions, how they made their choices. You know, you can see the history of someone, the decisions they've made, and you ask, has this person lived with the wisdom of God? You see? And, um, and judge for yourself. I mean, don't just make friendship. Just for friendship's sake. Don't just make friendship. You know, just because, you know, somebody is, you know, good looking. It's irrelevant. Just, don't just make friendship because somebody has money today, which they may not have tomorrow. Don't just make friendship because someone is popular. Young people, I'm talking to you. Look, be, be very careful with friendship that you keep. I mean, I, I learned this when I was young. The Lord, you see, when I was young, I don't know how God gave me this. I was so deliberate about my friendship. Oh, man, I mean, my wife knows. My wife sees a lot of my friends from the years. It's like, man, you have some friends. And boy, I have some friends. I mean, uh, I mean they, they are wise. I mean, and all the years, almost every single one of them, they have a trail of how they've lived their lives, the choices they've made. I mean, the way they are, what they have become. I mean, many of us have been friends for 30 years, more than that. You know, I have friends that I've had from elementary schools. We're still friends today. And their life show. Because early on, the Lord just gave me that your friendship is very important. Be careful about your friendship. And the most important thing is, is this person wise? What, what do they spit out when they talk? Do they just talk anyhow? You know, what, what, how do they just make decisions? How are they living their lives? You know, some people talk a lot, but you look at their lifestyle, they don't match. That's how you know a wise person. So be very careful about your decision. Walk with the wise and become wise because wisdom is contagious. A company of fools shall suffer. When pride, and be humble, be humble to receive wisdom. All right? When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humility comes wisdom. You know, a lot of times, many of us run away from wise people because we, first of all, they reveal our foolishness. All right? That is true. I know a lot of people. They reveal our foolishness. When you are around wise people and you are not very wise, 
You see, what, one of the things, he's going to reveal your foolishness, all right? But also, we run away because we are too proud to receive wisdom. You're too proud. You're too proud to receive wisdom. So, you must deal with pride. You know, that is how you learn. You see, a combination of us three is necessary for us to be the kind of wisdom. If you're going to fulfill your dream, if you're going to be where God wants you to be, if you're going to get to where God will get to get to, if you have a dream, a vision, a purpose, an assignment that God has given to you, it is not just going to be because you have a dream. It is going to be because you have acquired wisdom and you are prepared for your moment. I'm going to end by saying, a few weeks ago I was just thinking and the Spirit was giving me some thoughts about the difference between planning and preparation. See, many times we are good at planning. What we are not good at doing is preparing. Many times we are good at planning for the future. You see, planning is futuristic. It's easy to plan. Everybody can plan. I mean, even the dumbest person can plan. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this tomorrow. Because it's so easy to talk about tomorrow, right? It's so easy to say, oh, in five years, they are great. But the most important is preparing. Preparing is in the now. You see, when you are prepared, it is when you are prepared and you meet your moment, that is when you are able to shine. Did you get what I'm talking about? Azumi Joseph was not prepared. I mean, Joseph was preparing not because he knew when the exam is going to come. You see, one thing about the exam of life, there's no date. You see, the, our exams we do in our education, right? They have dates. We even set the date, right? If you're not prepared, you can even move the date, right? A lot of exams, right? Oh, you know, you just pay 100 bucks. You try to change the date of my exam. You see, exam of life, you don't know when it's coming. You see, if God has called you to be anything, God has called you to be a singer, God has called you to be an actor, God has called you to be a minister, God has called you to be a businessman, God has called you to, you know, what, what God has called you to. If that moment come today, are you prepared? Are you preparing now? What are you doing now to prepare? What are you studying now? What are you reading now? You know, what are you doing today to make sure you are prepared, you know, for your day of visitation? Because that day is going to come. David met his Goliath. Thank God he was prepared. But he prepared when no one was looking at, right? He was in the wilderness. He was in the bush. He was with the, you know, he was dealing with sheep. But he was preparing. He was worshiping. He was practicing. He was worshiping God. He was knowing God. He was investing his time. Because he knew that moment was coming. I must not meet that moment. And when that moment came, he was ready. Hallelujah. Joseph knew that day was coming. My vision is coming. My dream is coming. I am going to go to the throne. I'm going to get there. God is going to give me. But I must be ready now so that when that moment comes, he didn't even know it was coming. They just came and just wished him away one day in prison. What happened? Somebody wants to see you. The king wants to see you. Let go and bath. Go and dust. And they brought him before the king. Thank God he was prepared. Are you going to be prepared? 
when your day of visitation comes. Let's bow down our heads. Just say, Lord, help me to prepare. Holy Spirit, help me. I will be prepared. I will be ready. Help me to be ready. Help me to be prepared. Holy Spirit, I yield myself. I release myself. Show me what I need to do now. What book do I need to read now? What seminar do I need to attend now? You want to be a real estate person? You haven't even read a book about real estate in the last three, three months. You haven't even visited a site about business, about ministry, about this. I mean, what is God calling you to do? Is, is it relevant what you are going through now? The question is, are you preparing? Are you getting ready? And I pray, Holy Spirit, you will just take this word, expound it in our hearts, in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that this word will not return to you void. That this word will bear fruit in the mighty name of Jesus. Fruit unto hundreds and a thousand. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. If you're watching, you have not given your life to Jesus, or you're here, I want to just encourage you. Jesus has more for you than you can ever have for yourself. I mean, God has so much more for you than you can ever have for yourself. That is why the beginning of your dream is surrendering to Jesus. And if you want to surrender to Jesus, I will pray for you. Whether you want to commit your life or you want to rededicate your life, I will pray for you now, and I want you to bow down your heads. I want you to say, Jesus, I thank you because you have a plan for me. Today, I surrender to your plan, and I confess that you died for me. You were buried. And you rose the third day. And today I declare you as my Lord and Savior. And I pray that the dream that you have for me, I will discover it, I will walk in it, and I will be prepared. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. There will be a link on the screen as you are watching. Uh, the, the, the link would say Agape House. Uh, nj.org slash connect click that link and please put your information there if you are today is your first time you can also do that it's for everybody who is either the first time or you're making a decision if you're here physically with us you know you you should also do the same all right please uh, use that link